0: One of the mysteries, one of the many mysteries of our God is the relationship between the church and Christ. Any of you know what that relationship is? What is that? Husband and wife. It's like a marriage relationship. Church is the bride getting ready for the bridegroom. And who is the bridegroom, by the way? Can you say who is the bridegroom? Every one of you? jesus is the bridegroom who is the bride church Church, we are the bride church is the bride so that is a mystery that we struggle to understand at times church is the bride getting ready for the bridegroom bible talks about church participating in the marriage supper of the lamb you know there is a day when you know when the church is going to get married to the lamb of god It is already in progress, but then the marriage supper of the Lamb of God is organized on a particular day. And when the church goes there, we are all going to take part in the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. You know, the reason why marriage is still valid, marriage is still honorable, because throughout the Bible... The relationship between church and Christ is referred to a marriage relationship. You know, even though the state can de- you know, abolish marriage, even though the state can, you know, uh, lower the importance of marriage, still marriage is very valid. Because Bible throughout it talks about the relationship church has with the bridegroom, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, even though the church exists with a mission of seeking and saving that which was lost With the very same purpose Jesus came to this world. Even though church exists for that purpose, why Jesus came, we can never forget, the church is also a bride that is getting ready for the bridegroom. Can you say an Amen? Out loud? You know, this is important. As we, you know, study this morning it is important that what we are going to say right now, if you can get that on the screen. If a church does not evangelize, can you read that with me? These are a couple of words I put together. If a church does not evangelize, it fails in its mission. However, if a church fails to prepare herself as a bride, it won't even make it to heaven. Does it make sense? Yes? Can you read that again? If a church does not evangelize, it fails in its mission. However, if a church fails to prepare herself as a bride it won't even make it to heaven. The time church exists on the earth is the time the church gets ready as a bride to meet its bridegroom, her bridegroom. And today morning, we are going to spend a few minutes, the rest of our time, on Psalm 45. If you have your Bibles, you can turn and keep a placeholder there in Psalm 45. We are going to spend the rest of the time on Psalm 45. So this morning, I would like to title my sermon as Psalm 45, A Royal Wedding. Can you say that with me? Psalm 45, A Royal Wedding wedding. How many of you would like to come and to have a look at the royal wedding? You can imagine when the royal wedding takes place you were there? Any of you went for the royal wedding that took place recently? No? Some of you are thinking when that took place? Right? So you can imagine this morning that we are going to get into a royal wedding and going to understand how that wedding is going to be and who is the bride by the way in that wedding? Can we say we? Okay, are you sure? We look like bride? Can you just look at yourself? No, you can't do that. Can you look at somebody else next to you? And see whether he or she looks like a bride? Yes? No? Yes? Okay, some extent, right? So, so we are all bride of the bridegroom. So my t- title of my sermon this morning is Psalm 45, a royal wedding. Psalm 45 is in fact a love song. Written by the sons of Korah. He remembers Korah. You know Korah was a man and along with you know his company Korah and his men together they rebelled against the leadership of Moses. And what happened? The earth opened up and swallowed them. But you know his sons they got a special favor in the sight of God and they have written a couple of beautiful songs. Sons of Korah including as the deer pants for the water my soul longs for you lord you know there are a couple of psalms they are written by the sons of Korah and we are going to spend some time on one of the psalms written by the sons of Korah so we can divide this psalm into two sections now just want to jump into the right away so as we see that on the screen verses two to nine it talks about a royal bridegroom who is Christ Jesus can you say that with me royal bridegroom who is Christ Jesus and verses 10 through 17 talks about a royal bride who is the church this morning we are going to put uh, in our heart together into this psalm to understand now this is a psalm we are challenged in which we are challenged to do two things we are called to realize the excellency of our bridegroom who is our bridegroom Come on, out loud. Jesus is our bridegroom. And you know, we are challenged to realize the excellency of Lord Jesus Christ to l- reflect his qualities on our lives. Amen? You know, God expects us to have Christ-likeness in us. God expects the church to be Christ-like. I mean, that's the valid truth. And we, we can get, by understanding How the bridegroom is. Who the bridegroom is? The King of kings and the Lord of lords, our Jesus Christ. And we can reflect his nature and his qualities over our lives. And the second challenge is church is called to engage in a close relationship, an intimate relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. How many of you believe that Jesus is going to come back? Better believe. Amen. Better believe he's going to come back to this world. He is not just delaying, but he is waiting that none should perish. No one should perish. Jesus is going to come back to this world. Now in singing this psalm, our hearts must be really filled with the thought of Christ. We are just going to understand who our God is. And then no, we bring a submission from within us towards sanctification, towards purification, towards holiness because if we are not holy, we cannot meet the bridegroom because he is the holy God and it also challenges us to spread the gospel outside because the bride is not complete yet that's the reason Jesus is delaying his coming there are few more to be added into the kingdom of God And God has been waiting. Let's get into the scripture now. Verses 2 to 9. They talk about the royal bridegroom who is Christ Jesus. We are just going to in fact go verse by verse. Let's read verse 2. Where we see the excellency of our Christ. Can you say excellency? the ultimate, the beauty and the handsome nature of our Lord Jesus Christ and how amazing he is, how wonderful he is. That's what we are going to see. Verse 2 talks about the excellency of Jesus Christ. Can you read verse 2 together? You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. In comparison with other human beings, Jesus is fairer in comparison with other human beings, other men jesus is more handsome that's what the psalmist says the most handsome one and grace is poured upon his lips that simply means you know the kindness and the compassion with which jesus speaks do you know jesus speaks even today yes are you sure Jesus speaks even today and when he speaks there is kindness and there is compassion you know that's the reason people give their life to Jesus just like that when they receive the word from the lord like Saul they can't stand because it is so thick and so deep it is a compassionate word word that changes our lives many people they surrender their lives to god many hard heart, hearts are melted when they receive a voice from the Lord, grace is poured out in his lips. He's the most excellent. He's the handsome one, son of man. You know, he is powerful. He is anointed one. He's a holy one. When he speaks a word, the word is very powerful. When he says something, the word is powerful. And he has, you know, Peter realized the children of God, the, the disciples, they realize, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life where else we can go lord because you have the words of eternal life jesus is fairer than the sons of man and his grace is poured out in his lips let's move further verses three to five we see the glory of his victories amen know, our god is a victorious god amen so he gained many victories i can give you examples for the victory where he got victory, right? Do you know Like some of us when we got saved, some of us when we denied, when we we rejected our, you know, old practices of worshiping gods, and when we came back to Christ, that is the victory he has won. You know, many of us turn back to God because it's a victory that he fought over the devil. You know, the reason why God brought us into this fold, you know, many of us would, do not want to be here, but God has brought us together in his presence because of the victory he has won. Let, let's, let's read verse 3. Gird your sword upon your thigh. You know, Jesus is a victorious warrior. O oh, mighty one, with your glory and with your majesty. Let's read verse 4. And in your majesty ride prosperously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And your right hand shall teach you awesome things. Your arrows are sharp in the hearts of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. The royal bridegroom we are talking about, listen to me. He is a man of war. Can you say man of war? He is not just ordinary God. He is a fighter. He's a fighter. You know, if God loves somebody, God has predestined somebody, he will fight for that soul. He will fight for the soul unless he finds you into his fold. His nuptials or his marriage, I want to talk a little bit about it, it's, go, it's not really going to excuse him to be in the, in the battle, friend. He's still a warrior. We are talking about the church getting married to the bridegroom, but still he is a warrior, still he holds the sword in his hands. In fact, he is going to rescue his spouse. And who is his spouse? Us. The church is the spouse. And he is going to rescue the spouse. He is fighting. Day and night he is fighting because he's a warrior. You know, he is an intercessor. He is seated at the right hand of the father and interceding. But at the same time, he is fighting over the devil. Amen? If he is not fighting over the devil, do you think that you and I can fight over the devil? We need the help of God. We need the strength of God. Every time when we want to fight over the enemy's work, we go to Jesus and tell him, Lord Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And you come against in the name of Jesus. When you come against in the name of Jesus, He alone, we open up an opportunity for Christ Jesus to go and war, to go and fight with the devil. That's the reason we say, in the name of Jesus. He is still a warrior, He is still fighting. He's still fighting. Verse 4 talks about his preparation for war. Verse 5 talks about the progression of war. And it says that if you can read verse 5, he is, verse, uh, if you can read with me, verse uh, 4 and in your majesty, ride how he writes prosperously. That means what? Victoriously, he is riding, he is advancing, he is moving forward victoriously because of truth, humility, and righteousness. And as we read, it also talks to us that we need to have these qualities. These are the qualities of Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, and God expects us to have these qualities. And your right hand shall teach you all some things. Verse 6 talks about the success of the war. What does it say, verse 6? Verse 6, if you can just. Um, Yeah, so uh, let's read verse 5. Your arrows are sharp in the hearts of the king's enemies. The people fall under you. Verse 5. People fall under you. You know, when God gains victory, listen with me. When God gains victory, people fall under you. They start worshipping God. They don't stand forever in front of the idols. They'll start worshipping God. Because God has gained victory. When every soul, each and every soul gets added into the kingdom of God, there is a victory gained. Amen? There is a victory gained. There is a fight that is going on in the spiritual realms which which we may not see, but there is a fight always going on in the spiritual realm between the power of light and power of darkness. And every time when a soul gets added, there is a victory won. That's what this verse tells me. Are we able to appreciate the victories of our Lord God? Amen? You know, you, you listen to many testimonies today. People turning back to God from their old way of life. And what does it mean? It tells you that God is victorious. You know, every time when, you, when somebody comes to Christ, remember that God is gaining victory. God is gaining victory. Amen? Verses 6-7, through seven, the right. He talks about the righteousness of his government. Can you say that with me? Righteousness of his government. Let's read. Your throne, O God... Is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of your kingdom. Verse 7 You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companion. You know, this is the same way you need to study your scripture, too. The way I'm trying to help you. Where I'm trying to explain to you. What does it say? You know, in the first glance, we won't understand anything. Then we need to go a little deeper into the scripture, try to find out. The scripture says in verse 6, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And it says your scepter is a righteous scepter. You know, the the, the rod that, you know, the, the kings, they hold in their hands, the scepter because that's powerful you know it has a meaning when the rod turns this side or this side the scepter need to do the righteous things that is very important and he's saying that the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom verse 7 you love righteousness and hate wickedness it talks about lord god he loves righteousness and he expects the same thing in our lives too what is righteousness by the way walking upright standing for the truth doing the right thing they are all righteousness and God expects us to be righteous because he is a righteous God he is a righteous God and Bible also says and the son of man that we are talking about this morning he's the one who is going to judge the nations do you know that God has given him authority to judge the nations and when we stand before the judgment throne he is going to be a judge over the nations and how he is going to judge you know at times we wonder how god can judge because there are millions and millions of people in this world how does he know or how he is going to know how to judge and Bible says in Isaiah chapter 32 verse 1, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. It is a prophecy that, you know, that was foretold by Isaiah. And what does he say? He says, Behold, can you read that with me? Behold, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice. We don't see that happening today on this earth. It's impossible for man to do that. But it is possible for my God. Amen. Are you with me? My God is going to rule the nations in righteousness. Let's read one more scripture. Psalm 96 verse 13. Psalm 96 13. Can you read that with me? For he is coming. Who is coming? Jesus is coming to come back. Our bridegroom is going to come back. He is coming. Can you read that? He is coming for. He is coming to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his truth. You know, Jesus is going to judge the nations with righteousness. He will not miss anything. He's going to be very accurate in his judgment. Amen? You know, his righteousness is our strength. You know, today when you think about how can I depend on my God? What is the reason I believe in my God? There are a couple of things that stand out. What are those things? He is righteous God. I feel strength, I feel strong, I gain strength because he's a righteous God. What else? He's a holy God. And what else? He's a powerful God. You know, our strength really comes from the strength of God. The anointing that was upon Christ. Now, 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 this is important. I want to draw your attention to this scripture. You, uh, can you read verse 7? You love righteousness. And hate wickedness Therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions I believe when scripture says more than your companions I believe what of God is talking about the angels the supernatural beings companion his companion and who is more anointed overall Jesus jesus is more anointed than all He is more anointed than us because we are his companion too we are his friends he has called us our as his friends even we are more anointed than jesus is more anointed than ourselves and the angels he's going to do righteous things in the coming days in our lives you know, sometimes we don't get the righteous judgment on the face of this earth. Many times we get discouraged in our workplaces, in our family situation. Many times we are, things are not happening in the righteous way. But our God is a righteous God. Amen? Let's move further. Verses 8, to 8, 8 and 9. It talks about the splendor of His court. Now we are entering into this courtroom, probably that's where the marriage of the Lamb of God is going to happen. And let's go in, we are going to find out what is happening there, verses 8 and 9. All your garments, can you read that with me? All your garments are scented with myrrh and aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces by which they have made you glad. King's daughters are among your honorable women at your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir The king keeps his palace king keeps his court as you know, as, as splendor and magnificent now, you would have been there in the five-star hotel when you enter into the ballroom or, you know, in, in, a, in a theater in the five-star hotel, you know, how it looks. This is going to be much better, much better than that, that we can ever imagine. You're talking about the courtroom of the king of kings. Amen? Are you not excited this morning? No? Yes? Amen? You're going to talk about how his courtroom looks like. His robes are perfumed with the anointing oil. That's what the Bible says. He comes with a long robe, and his robes are anointed with the the anointing oil. And the anointing oil is made up of three elements, three ingredients. What are they? Number one. Number one, it's there in the scripture. Number one, you need to just read. Number one, myrrh. And number two, aloes. And then number three, right. So Cassian. So these are the three ingredients they get into the anointing oil. Never forget. These are the three ingredients they get into the anointing oil. Now the fragrance comes, listen to me now very carefully, fragrance comes because all three of the mirror mirrors a natural gum or is a resin extracted from a tree, from a thorny tree. It's a resin extracted from a thorny tree. And aloes is a plant which is similar to aloe vera, that's aloes. And cassia is something similar to cinnamon. They're all brought together. It's very interesting. They're all brought together. And you know what? How the fragrance oil is prepared? They're all brought together and they are taken through a process. These ingredients were crushed. And these ingredients were squeezed. And then comes the anointing oil in those days. Amen? And that has a great fragrance. And that is the fragrance of Christ. Can you just smell a fragrance of Christ, amen. He is such a magnificent God, you know. Many times we don't even realize, but He is such a magnificent God. Let me not stay here, let me move further. Paul says. 2 Corinthians in chapter 2, verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the fragrance of Christ. Can you say that with me? We are the fragrance of Christ. If Christ has the anointing oil upon his robe. And when you talk about these fragrance, how the fragrance came? Because of this crushing, and because of the excusing you know when God yesterday night we talked about sufferings when God takes us through sufferings that's what is happening in our lives the crushing and excusing is going to bring forth great fragrance amen and that fragrance is known as the fragrance of Christ when through suffering when we go and when we come out through suffering what gets added in our lives is the fragrance of Christ And when we go and stand outside and look at somebody, they know that you have gone through the process of suffering. But they will not fail to smell the fragrance of the anointing. Amen? The fragrance of the anointing upon your life and upon my life. These are the spices they were taken by Nicodemus for the burial of our Lord God. Same spices. These are the spices taken by the women who went, who rushed on the day, on the day of the resurrection, rushed into the tomb. These are the spices they were taken. They were also used in the burial. That simply tells us that when we go through these sufferings, when we go through all this that God is allowing in our lives, God is going to use us. Ivory. It talks about ivory palace. The palace is made of ivory. Ivory is, we know that it is a teeth or it's a tusk of an animal that refers to purity or it refers to innocence. That's where God dwells. And God expects us. God expects that to happen in our lives too. King's daughters and other women were there. All the believers of the church, they were there. All of us were there. All of us will be there. The bride... The Lamb of God's wife is dressed up. I think we are seeing that in, in verse 9. Kings, daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Are you with me? And there stands the church in front of the bridegroom. And how the church is dressed up? The church is dressed up and with you know, gold from Ophir. The Lamb of God his wife, the church, is dressed up with the richest array in gold from The Bible also says in the future verses, you know, the robes were woven with golden thread, with a golden chain and ornaments. When we think about gold in the Bible, you know, what comes in my mind is the purity. Gold is pure. The 24 karat, am I right? That's the purest one, Right? It's a pure gold. Bible also says, I guess as Peter writes, we are not purchased with the perishable materials, but we are purchased with the blood of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. Which is much more precious. Which is much more precious. And as the church is getting ready, they're all, you know, surrounded with gold in their apparel. It talks about expensive. It's very expensive but I want you to think about the blood that was shed at the cross. We were bought by the blood that was much costlier than the gold. The price was much heavy that was paid at the cross that was very heavy. And God is preparing the church this morning, I believe. So section 1, we'll do a quick recap. Verses 2 to 9, we talked about the royal bridegroom. Can you read that with me? The excellency of Christ was in verse 2 and 3 to 5, the glory of his victories. And 6 to 7, the righteousness of his government. And verses 8 to 9, the splendor of the court. Let's move the second half of uh, Psalm 45, verses 10 to 17. I'll be done quickly. Royal bride, we are going to talk about the royal bride, which is Christ Jesus amen am i right no which is there? church are you listening yes who's the royal bride the church is the royal bride who's the bridegroom christ jesus so the second half of the song is about the royal bride. it's all about us so we want to know what the psalmist is singing about us let's go to verse 10 listen oh daughter who is the daughter we are the daughter the church consider and incline your ear this is very important Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. What a beautiful scripture. Can you You want to read that again? Listen, oh daughter, consider and incline your ears. God is telling to the church, listen to me. Don't give your ear to me. Forget your own people also and your father's house. And then what will happen? So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord and worship him. The bride has been asked to focus her entire attention on the bridegroom. Are you with me? The bride, can you repeat that? The bride has been asked to focus her entire attention on the bridegroom. Amen. Bride is beautiful. But the king will be pleased when the bride thinks only about the king, not her father's house. I'm talking to women now, right? You get married and come to your husband's family or your husband's uh, house or your own house, and you live with your husband What is the expectation of your husband? It just goes in line with the word of God, if you are a believer. What is the expectation of your husband? You are so beautiful, it's all good. But normally we say beauty is not important, but what is important? You don't know, right? (laughs) Character is important, that's what we say, right? Now here, what is important? You come to your husband's house, and this is the same expectation of what Lord Jesus is expecting from the church. Very same expectation. Bride is beautiful, but the king will be well pleased when the bride thinks only about the king. That's important in family life. Family is messed up. When the wife thinks about the second king. How many kings are in the family? Are you sure? Only one king in the family. So when the bride thinks all about that one king, the bride is very well pleased. The bride is beautiful but king will be pleased whenly, when only whenly, when only when, he is thought of. And when a bride keeps always talking about his father's house, you know I had a good time when I was growing up in my childhood days, you know I had this and there I really love my father and the husband will tell you why are you here with me then they'll go back to your father. When we moved out of our father's house, it doesn't mean that we don't really help them. It doesn't mean that we don't really talk to them. We need to do everything. But somebody is sitting next to you. Can you better think about him? Can you just better talk to him? Can you spend your life with him? That's a marriage relationship. Not keep talking about your father's house and what you had a good time you had in your father's house. It's all good, but it is time to forget. I, I, I know now. women are very happy now. Amen? That's the expectation of God in your family. If you don't do that, if you still keep talking about, thinking about, you remember children of Israel when they came out of Egypt? It's the same phenomenon again. God brought them out of Egypt with great struggle. And with the great struggle your parents really got this marriage done. And now you moved out of Egypt, And now on the way, you think that you brought me to Canada, you brought me to this icebox, you're trying to put me inside this icebox and you brought me to kill me in this nation. I want to go back to my father's house. Just exactly the same thing. If the church tells that. I had my good old days. Church is all of us. Oh, I used to enjoy with my friends this way, that way. I still have that relationship. I still that have that connection. You know, that's the way. I really like the church is boring. And God says, God says, listen to me, church. And God says, consider and incline your ears to me. Forget your own people. Forget your own people. Believers, there we are you know, all part of this world, but God is telling you to forget your people. It means different things to different people. For some of us, it says that you can forget your old friends, they are not good. For some of you, say it says that forget your family people, they don't allow you to progress, they don't allow you to move, they don't allow you to work in the kingdom of God. Forget them, the Bible talks about that. You know, when we don't obey to this word, are we clear about this word, so we can move forward? So when we don't obey to this word, we see world creeping into our lives. You know, God is talking about separation here. God is talking that we need to be holy. God is talking about, you know, church needs to be a holy place, holy church. Church Churches, we are the church and God expects us to be holy. God is asking us to forget those things that you had in the past and just come to me and come to me. Start listening to me. Then only you can be my bride. Let me move further. We need to forget our own people and our father's house. I want you to take this and think about it. First John, one scripture I can give you. First John 2, 2:15. 1, 2, one John 2:15. John writes here. He says very clearly. Can you read this with me? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, this is a very important scripture this morning. I believe for most of us. We try to be like the people of this world. If He has that stuff, I want that stuff. If He is going to do this, I want to do this. Listen to me this morning. As children of God, you know, we need to have something called self-control within us. We need to have something that is pleased to, to please God. We cannot just do what the world does. We cannot just be like the world. God is expecting a separation in our lives. Let's move further. Then only God will be pleased. Verses 12 to 15 quickly. And the daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The rich among the people will seek your favor. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the kings in robes of many color. The virgins, her companions who follow her shall be brought to you. With gladness and rejoicing, they shall be brought. They shall enter the king's palace. This scripture talks about the nuptials or the marriages that is solemnized there. The scripture describes the makeup of the church there. Now we are coming into the courtroom and the bridegroom is there and the bride is coming there together it talks about the makeup of the courtroom who are all there in the courtroom verse 12 talks about daughters of Tyre what does it mean the Gentiles who accepted Christ they are standing before the throne of God just ready for the marriage supper all the nations not just the Jews alone all the nations are standing. You know the daughters of Tyre. Verse 12. Verse 12 talks about. And the daughters of Tyre and the rich among the people will seek your favor. Who are those rich among the people? Those who are those who were running behind the richness of this world. But now they are running for God. Amen. The richness cannot give what God can give. The richness cannot take us to where God can take us to. You know, once we were running after money, if we are running after money, even now we need to change. We need to change our lives. God is expecting you to change your life. Now we need to turn back to God. Money is important, but we cannot give the respect that we are supposed to give to God. We cannot give the honor that supposed to give to God. Verse 13, it talks about the royal daughters, refers to those who are saved by the blood of the Lamb. Those who are cleansed and washed and filled with the Holy Spirit. And they are are educated through the word of God. Verse 14 talks about the virgin. It refers to those, they kept their lives away, without getting defiled for the sake of glory, for the sake of heaven. I'm not talking about the nuns. I'm talking about people of God. They don't even get married. They just stay for the sake of heaven we don't encourage that but then if god has called you called someone to do that let them do it the virgin's verse 14 verse 15 when jesus comes only such people will enter into heaven can you read verse 15 with gladness and rejoicing they shall be brought they shall enter the king's palace who are they the gentiles who came to lord jesus christ and those those the rich people once they were behind money but now they start seeking god The royal daughters refer to his own people, those who are washed by the blood of the lamb. The virgins who who are undefiled by women and they keep their lives for the sake of heaven as holy. Verse 15 says that only those people can come to the throne of grace. You know, I read that here in Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 to 8, 9, the same same, same tone I get there too. Can we read Revelation chapter 19 verses 7 to 9? Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteousness, righteous acts of the saints. And verse 9, then he said to me, write these things, this is important, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb and he said to me these are the true saints of god what does it mean blessed are those those who are partakers of the marriage supper the rest are all going to suffer in hell god expects the church to get ready verses 16 to 17 finally instead of your fathers shall be your sons Whom you shall make princes in all the earth. I will make your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore the people shall praise you forever and ever. The last two verses are kind of concluding lines. It really talks about the future children of this reunion or this union. You know the church has communion with, come in union with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And you know, God is raising new generations. God is raising more prophets. God is raising more evangelists. God is raising more pastors. God is raising more leaders. And even God is raising many more martyrs in the kingdom of God. And they are going to take over. Not the fathers, not the time of Abraham, not those forefathers. But those who are late. God is going to bring them first. God is going to advance the kingdom of God for the remaining days of li- our life. People of the earth will praise Him forever and ever continuously. So, quick recap of the section 2 that we did verses 10 to 7. Can you read that with me? Verses 10 to 7, it talks about the royal bride, which is church. And verses 10 to 11, her attention is gained. When God says to the church, listen, oh church, you know, God is gaining that attention, and then He is going to talk about the separation, the life that needs to be separated from the rest of the world. Verses 12 to 15, the the nuptials or the marriage, Solomonized, the marriage is conducted. Verses 16 to 17, the result of the marriage, many more children are going to be born in the kingdom of God. They are going to rule with the Lord God forever and ever. So finally, the key theme or the point of the psalmist. He is telling this to us. The bride, the church, must get ready to the bridegroom, the king of kings, and the lord of lords. And he is coming. Amen.